Welcome to Now Hear This Entertainment, a podcast for fans of the guests who appear on this show, as well as fans of music in general, and a podcast for musicians, singers, songwriters, artists, entertainers who want to learn more to help them grow in what they're doing. I'm your host, Bruce Wozniak from Now Hear This Incorporated. Check out www.nowhearthis.biz. Be sure to sign up for the email newsletter there, which is quick and easy. All that's required is an email address. We are coming to you from Crystal Blue Sound Studios near Tampa, Florida. Check them out on the web at www.cbpro, as in Crystal Blue Productions, cbpro.net. Be sure you are subscribing to this podcast and telling your friends to do so as well. We are thrilled to be on iTunes, Stitcher Radio, and SoundCloud. Lots of great guests on Now Hear This Entertainment, or as I've taken to calling it, NHTE. Joining me today on the Now Hear This Entertainment guest line from Nashville, my guest is a singer-songwriter who is currently working on a new EP that will be released early next year. She previously released two albums, Enough is Enough and Someday. She has opened for the likes of Montgomery Gentry, Rascal Flatts, Mary Chapin Carpenter, and Patti Loveless, and has played in locations ranging from there in Tennessee, of course, to Kansas, Nebraska, Texas, take a breath, Bruce, Iowa, Missouri, Colorado. She, of course, is also a guitar player. You've been hearing one of her songs entitled Fairy Tale. It's my pleasure to welcome to the show, Laura Wisdom. Yay, I'm here. You are, and thank you. I am. Thank you for being here today. I know you were actually on the road yesterday, so I appreciate you making the time for this. No problem. Seems to be my life these days is on the road. <laughs> well, we uh, we certainly have a lot of ground to cover today, but when my guest is a songwriter, I always love to start by giving the listeners an opportunity to go inside a song and kind of hear what it's about and how and maybe when it was written, those kind of insights. So do that for us, if you would, Laura, for the song that was just playing, Fairy Tale. Well, Fairy Tale. Um, you know, I wrote... It's funny because Enough is Enough was sort of a, um, I call it my five-year pro, you know album, where I went in and, and cut five and said, you know, I'm going to sit on these and see. And then and then in the process, um, went through a divorce. And so there were five more put on there that, and Fairytale was one of those, um, was in the process of that divorce and trying to um, reconcile all that really had occurred. Um, and, you know, for me, Fairytale's sort of, I want to just let go. And, and, and there was a period there, like actually prior to my marriage that I didn't know if I could do that. Like I didn't as sort of a diary out loud situation of wondering if I could even, um, let go enough to, um, love someone. And, and so it was sort of a, it came back around during that period because it was kind of a darker place for me of saying, you know, I want to do all these things. I'm just not sure I can. And, and, uh, but the desire to, you know, ultimately has to win, win out in, in that versus the fear. So that's sort of where it derived. The entire album is, I call it my divorce album. <laughs> <laughs> Laura, you play both guitar and piano. Do you have a preference for writing songs for the guitar or for the piano? Just take us through your songwriting process and, and I guess maybe what is the percentage of guitar songs that you write versus piano songs that you write? Well, currently, um, I've written most of the newer ones um, on guitar. I think I just would go through periods of um, 
if I felt inspired to write with the piano that that may have gone on for a couple months, you know, where I would just sit and, and be at the piano. And, and, uh, when you're running around Nashville playing, you tend to not want to drag around a keyboard. So you start figuring out how to, <laughs> how to play guitar for the songs that you wrote on piano, which can sometimes be, you know, like just transposing is, is a fun process. It's not that difficult, but in my brain, it once it's wired to play piano on a certain song. So you got to relearn it for guitar. And so that, um, it just became easier to start kind of writing and, and getting a little better each time with the guitar. I would not say I'm, you know, like, amazing at it i kind of just do enough to get my writing for both of them well you remind me and and i want to hear your story based on the the door that you just opened there way back on episode nine uh, of this podcast melissa bretthauer talked about how believe she said the age of eight she began taking piano lessons and ended up being classically trained now mind you she sings uh what she considers folk pop uh, as her genre, but for someone that was classically trained on piano and that was her instrument for a number of years, she did eventually get to the age where she just decided, I think I'm going to pick up a guitar and teach myself how to play that. And like like you said, you know, the, the attitude is, you know, well, it's a lot less cumbersome, but what, what was kind of your path in life in terms of piano and, and when did guitar come in? Uh, you know, what training was there or wasn't there for, for both instruments? You know, my parents put me in lessons probably around seven and or eight, and maybe for a couple of years I had them as I went kicking and screaming. And, and now, obviously, you know, you get the same story of regretting that. I wish I would have actually practiced. Um, but I was, I'm kind of hard-headed, if you can ever imagine that, out of a, <laughs> a creative right brain. And so at some point, I just it became a teaching myself in, in a very minimal way in terms of chords and, and you know, knowing the one, four, five, kind of knowing just your basic, um, what I need for each key. And, and that came, you know, in, in high school, I was playing in bands, um, from high oh, school. On. Okay. Wow. So, um, guitar didn't really come into the picture. Like I had one and I would mess around with it and kind of try to teach myself. And it was all pretty much self-taught. Um, and that came around in my twenties when it, when it just, when I, the bar circuit of playing bars and stuff became sort of, I, I had gotten over it and was writing more and, and needed um, a way to just pick something up real quick and, and be able to get a thought down. And so that became the easiest way. And so I pretty much have self-taught that way. But knowing piano has helped in terms of knowing um, the core, what keys and what chords I need, needed for particular keys. And then the capo for the guitar is my, uh, my best friend. <laughs> <laughs> so in terms of your songwriting, then it's, it's just kind of, uh, whatever hits you there, there's no, you know, I'm, I'm going to try to write more piano songs this week or this month. It's, it's just kind of whatever you're feeling in, in that particular time. It sounds like. Yeah, I mean, for me, that is definitely. And, and like I said, it's been something I can grab the guitar and go do. And if I have access to like a like a baby grand, which sounds so like snotty, but if I have access to it, it seems to bring out some or some room. It seems to bring out some like, OK, I'm ready to write right here. I don't want to move. But it usually tends to be at someone's house and they ask me to leave at some point. So, you know, <laughs> well, but being in Nashville you know, everybody there will will 
tell you until the cows come home, co-write, co-write, co-write. So do you co-write? Do you prefer to write by yourself? Because again, where I'm going with that is, you know, is, is there ever an opportunity to co-write with somebody, but say, I'd rather write on the piano this time? You know, I, I, I don't know if a lot of the co-writers that when you go into um, a lot of the rooms in Nashville to co-write, there's a piano sitting there. Um, I do think it's just easier to grab my guitar and, and kind of go with, with something. And um, often you may have somebody that's really very good at guitar. And so you just kind of sit back and let them do all the work and just create the headspace part and maybe say, Hey, maybe that needs an E minor or whatever. I do co-write. It's not, it's not, um, it's not by Nashville standards, which you're right, is very much a get in the room, get in the room, get in the room with anyone, everyone. It doesn't matter. Let's put 10 people in a room, you know. And I, for me, I think I work a lot. Like, it is sort of the stuff I write is definitely um, my diary out loud on some level. And yeah. and, and when you're sitting, um, when you're trying to do a collective thing, it's a little bit different than writing from a place of, of healing, I guess. And what I would say for me is I write a lot to sort of, process what I'm going through or um, process what I've been through on some level. Sometimes it's, sometimes I can't even process what I'm going through in the moment, but it comes later mm-hmm. after it's over. And so for me, it's, I do primarily write um, by myself. I, I do have some co-writes on what's coming up. Um, a wonderful singer-songwriter named Martin Carpenter. So, and he's out of Iowa. So he's wonderful and brings a different flavor to me. And and I think I do for him too, because he was definitely in that um, alternative kind of uh, pop music. Um, And he does a lot of Christian music also, but that's been fun. And and definitely have a couple of people in Nashville that I co-write with. Well, it's very interesting because here we are in episode 43, and uh, yet I'm referring all the way back to, to episode nine, as I mentioned um, Melissa Brett Howard, you know, talking about playing piano and guitar, and, and and she said on that on that same show, you know, that that she really prefers to write by herself, but certainly has been in co-write situations and has just found at the end of the day that she just really prefers to to do this on her own. So uh, I, I I tend to lean that way, and, and there have been definitely some co-writes where it's like just a bad date gone wrong, and it's like, <laughs> is this ever going to get over? Because I don't know that we're going to come up with anything except some bad version of London Bridges. So. <laughs> <laughs> uh, for the listeners who are just starting into the music business, what advice do you have regarding the whole guitar versus piano debate? Because a lot of people will actually discourage playing piano because it's too cumbersome and you can't just throw it on your back and get around as easily as if you were just playing guitar. I mean, if you're if you're going into Nashville, yeah, dra- dragging around a piano is not uh, to go to some of these uh, songwriter. Uh, what I'd say about Nashville is you're going to do a lot of writer rounds, and and those are three to four songs, and you're not going to want to drag a piano out to that. So yeah, definitely guitar is something to start heading towards or leaning towards. But I mean, if that's your form to write, always write what makes it you know a good song. I wouldn't discourage anyone from. Um, the method in which they get some music out of them. Yeah, because so, I guess I'm trying to think of, I don't want to make too much out of the show, but I'm, I don't want to say the worldwide audience. I know that we're in a minimum of 50 countries, but I'm thinking of, say, the the person that's listening in Minneapolis that plays piano and, and uh, perhaps someone is telling them, 
don't play the piano, play the guitar because it's just too, just too cumbersome to, and, and, and maybe this is someone that has no designs and going to Nashville. So I don't know that I would discourage anyone from playing any instrument. I think, uh, it it just depends on your preference of, you know, if you're going out to a show of what you want to, um, if you got an hour long show and, and you write on piano, I mean, by all means, take your piano and, and have a great time, you know, like I, I don't, I wouldn't discourage anybody, um, in any instrument that they play, um, to stop and switch. It's always good to be versatile. And like I said, if you're in Nashville or Austin or any, any of these others where you're kind of going out every night, you're playing three or four songs, it makes, that makes it, that's a difficult sure, process at that sure. point. If you're playing a two hour gig, I mean, I think do whatever makes you comfortable and happy. Sure. Uh, nicely said, though, and 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 I don't want to overdo it on this whole topic, but I do think it's worth just t- taking to to one more aspect. Do you feel that playing both piano and guitar have helped your marketability at all? Um, I don't know. I, I don't know that I would say that because here's here's the little secret in it all. When I'll take a song and it will be dummy down and sometimes not even completely finished, and I'll give it to a guy I've worked with since 1999 who's amazing talent in Nashville and, and say, Hey, you know what? Make this sound really pretty. (laughs) That's that's what occurs. Those guys are, are uh, amazing. And and they'll take something, you know, that I sort of, Hey, I recorded this in the bathroom, you know, and it sounds, you know, interesting. So can you make something out of it? And they do. And it's, it's truly amazing process. So I I wouldn't take all the credit if, if it sounds good in terms of, was this like there's some that I've written on guitar and and they've literally been recorded by a piano and I I I, know, I didn't even hear the piano in it and all of a sudden you know the keyboard player that he's hired for that particular session is just doing something amazing and I've got a couple of those that are getting ready on this new one that's coming out that I was that I pretty much said in there I was like I can't even sing because I want to cry that sounds so good <laughs> of what they're playing so it's good stuff uh, a f- couple weeks ago. I asked this question of of C.J. Watson, who I think you know. Um, so let's let's hear your ranking between singing, songwriting, playing guitar, and playing piano. What order would you put those in in terms of what you want to be known for first? Uh, do you want to be known as a singer first? Do you want to be known as a songwriter first? Uh, give us give us your your order of of one through four: singing, well, songwriting, playing guitar, playing piano. That's a great question. Um, I think the older I get, obviously, the message that I provide would be what how I'd want to be remembered. Did it did it help somebody? Did it make them um, feel like they weren't alone in this um, world of, and the adventures that we get on, get ourselves on? Um, so I think songwriting would definitely be one. It is the most difficult for me, though. I will say that singing. Um, I will always be singing. I think. It, if anyone knows me very well, they're like, she's always singing. <laughs> Why doesn't she stop? And she's singing Let It Go way too much from the Disney thing. Why is she doing that? And I'm not saying it's good. But anyway, singing is just something like air for me. I've, I've done that for so long since I was a little kid, and it's pretty easy. And I, it's something I just, I guess I'm blessed to have. Um, you know, I probably would go from guitar playing to piano from there. Like, I... I I just continue to improve yet, you know, sometime, at some point I'm probably going to have to take lessons to hit that other mark, if that makes sense. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and I, and I, you know, maybe, maybe I phrased that the wrong way in terms of what you want to be known for, because I think of it in the context of 
Uh, and here we go again, listeners. There's been countless episodes where I've openly admitted that my all-time favorite band is Rush. And so people think of Geddy Lee, and because of his high-pitched voice and because he's the only singer in Rush, you think of Getty as the singer from Rush, but he also plays bass and he also plays keyboard. So is it like, well, he's do you do you think of him as the singer for Rush? Do you think of him as the bass player? So I think that's kind of what I'm saying is, you know, if, if somebody was talking about Laura Wisdom, would they say, yeah, she's the singer uh, in Nashville, um, you know, she songwrites it, you know, or... or so, so that's kind of where I was going. With I get it. to. I think. I think it, at this point would be more in the songwriting field, likely. Mm-hmm. There's so many singers in Nashville. I mean, and amazing singers. I mean, I have a. I, I don't. I hope it's a delivery that people can relate to. But I think for the most part, it would be songwriting. Now, does the, does the order that you put those in change? If I if I just asked you personal preference, which which do you like to do best? Which do you like to do second best? Or is it still the same order? I don't know. I think singing would probably be the, then change to that to that piece of it. Interesting. Um, yeah, yeah. Songwriting is oh, songwriting. What I love, but it's uh, it's difficult. It's and it comes to me in pro in a pro. It comes to me in different times, mm-hmm. and it doesn't come like sometimes when I want it to. So, um, whereas so, whereas you could walk around the house singing all day. And, right. You don't really right. have to, and I do, and drive everyone crazy. <laughs> <laughs> uh, I am Bruce Wozniak, and joining me today on the Now Hear This Entertainment guest line from Nashville is singer-songwriter Laura Wisdom. Visit her official website at www.larawisdom.com, and her first name is L A R A. She is active on social media too, of course. On her website, there are icons to click on to link over to Twitter. Facebook, and Instagram, and there's even one for Reverb Nation. She is also on YouTube as well. Also follow Lara online so you can stay on top of where she's performing live and when. And, of course, purchase her music on cdbaby.com. As I mentioned in the intro, she has two albums out on there. Be sure that you are also checking out www.nowhearthis.biz, spelled H-E-A-R, and sign up for the e-newsletter there and subscribe to this podcast and tell others about it too. Subscribing is free, which makes it very easy to get the show every week. It will just download automatically when a new episode comes out, so you don't even have to go looking for it. Feel free to use the social media buttons on nowhearthis.biz to like the Now Hear This page on Facebook and or become a Twitter follower. And please, I'd love to hear your feedback about the podcast, including even some questions you'd like to hear asked on future episodes. Post all that on the Facebook page I just mentioned or send an email. The email address is on the contact page of nowhearthis.biz, B-I-Z, as they would say in Canada. Laura, I want to talk a little bit about some of the major artists that I mentioned in the intro that you've opened for. I had named Montgomery Gentry, Rascal Flatts, Mary Chapin Carpenter, and Patty Loveless. While you certainly want to be the major headliner that someone else is talking about having opened for, can we agree that those are still great experiences for you and, and certainly only help raise your stock because you can say that you've opened for all of them? I don't know if it raises stock. Um, and they're like, that's so, that feels so ancient history. That's like so uh, early 20s. Um, I think it's definitely experience. You, you, uh, you get an idea and you get a feel. Um, for a big stage that's and it's fun that there's some 
there's some good stuff that comes with that. Um, I don't know. I don't know that it, it catapults you anywhere. It's a good place to start figuring out what you really want to do. And, and, and also, um, talking to some of those artists or definitely the music for me, the musicians that played with those artists, um, you get a feel of, of what that, what that business is truly like. And it's sometimes not as glamorous as, uh, as, as we make it out to be in, and uh, I definitely had to think about that in my twenties of what I what I truly wanted. Yeah, and I'm glad life. I'm glad you mentioned about the business because I, I I did want to ask that if 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 it's also an opportunity to learn about those aspects of the business that that one wouldn't get if if he or she uh, was just kind of you know staying close to home and, and doing their own thing. Yeah, a hundred percent. You learn. You're going to learn um, some things. You got to ask the questions too. Like you got to get make yourself out there, but you're definitely going to learn if you ask um, some of those musicians. You know what it's really like. Um, and for women in country music, it's it's a tough, tough, tough business. That's a and and it, you're hearing more and more about it every day. And um, but that's a diff- even on the songwriting level, it's a, it's a difficult thing for women right now in country music. And so I. I don't know. I'm kind of now at a loss what I'm talking about. That happens a lot with me. <laughs> <laughs> well, the but, le- the lessons that you learn being out on tour and talking to oh, like with with and with women. Um, and let's say you're a major um, artist. That's a lady. Um, you're kind of dealing with a whole different thing um, with the merchandise piece of it and on concerts like. To where you're having to really work maybe a little bit harder at some of those things. Because if you go to a Brooks and Dunn, and I'll date myself a little, um, both men and women are going to buy the t-shirts and the stuff. But if you go to like a Lori Morgan or a Martina McBride or who else, Miranda Lamb or whoever's out, Miranda might be a little different because there's still like maybe a teenage factor to it. But like some of the other artists that were kind of Pam Tillis, it's going to be difficult for her to sell t-shirts to either gender, if yeah, that makes sense. Yeah, so, I mean, yeah. I think there's, and that's how they made most of their money. Well, now with, with the record sales going down, the record companies are uh, taking now um, money from their merchandise too. So now it's kind of even, it's, it's a different market too for that piece of it on their concert sales and their merchandising when, when they when they're starting to, because the, publishing deals aren't that great anymore because no one's buying CDs. So there's a lot going on in music right now that's, um, you know, I, I'm curious to see how it will all pan out. Yeah, and ironically, I think it was uh, in the last 24 hours, I think I glanced at, uh, meaning I saw it, but I didn't click on it and, and actually follow the link, but something on Facebook where somebody was giving a link to something that was written about females in country music, uh, and, and it was, you could tell that it was being written from a, a negative perspective. Um, so um, you're, you're echoing that. Um, yeah, I mean, and I don't mean to be negative. I think it's a reality. And it's been a reality. The 90s, you saw lots of female artists emerging. And, and you're just seeing less and less. And and so with that comes the writing. Um, if, if you're a female writer, you're probably now sitting in a, in a room with a co-write with, with some guys and doing some different material because you're not going to have a guy sing about a woman's perspective of what, what they're going through. So there, there's a lot going on with that. Yeah, and I, and I, I apologize, listeners. I should clarify. I believe I believe that, that what this piece that I did not read was trying to capture was 
the difficulties that females in country music are having today. Uh, so, so as I said, you're you're um, agreeing with that. Yes. Okay, now it's time for Bruce's bonus. This is a segment here on Now Hear This Entertainment where I take off my hat as podcast host and put on my hat as president of Now Hear This Incorporated, giving a helpful tip for the listeners that are musicians, singers, songwriters, entertainers who are out there trying hard to make a go of it. Today's bonus is consider subscribing to a music industry publication so you can keep up with the trends and the latest news and conversation. If the subscription cost is a bit prohibitive, ask a colleague in the business about splitting the cost so that each of you can get the benefit of reading it. It's all a part of investing in your career. And that is today's Bruce's Bonus. We were talking about uh, the touring aspect. Just talk about how you were getting those opportunities to open up for those big name stars. Um, I, I am originally from Kansas, so a lot of those came um, at different concert series, um, whether it be in Topeka or Kansas City or Manhattan. I can't I, some of those so long ago. I'm trying to think. I may we may have done one where we opened for somebody in Des Moines. Um, I think for Rascal Flatts or something, but before they were even Rascal Flatts, so, <laughs> so uh, that's so long ago. <laughs> but but definitely around the Midwest, that's where most of those happened in my twenties. Was that what was that a case of you knowing the right person or someone calling you? What what was kind of the the connection that that put you on the stage with with them? Um, definitely, when you're uh, kind of a local band and, and you're doing a, and you're getting a good following, um, people call you. Hey, we got this. So okay, did you say Manhattan? Is there is there an, a Manhattan in Kansas? There is. Are you kidding? Wow, Those are knew? fighting words. That's Kansas State University. Uh oh, shame on me. Shame on me. We should All edit. Right. We should edit that out. <laughs> uh, we have talked a couple times on this show. I, I believe as recently as episode forty with Misty Loggins about NSAI, which listeners, if you're just starting out. Uh, but to the point where you're serious enough about your songwriting and want to get some professional help and resources, they're the ones to check out. NSAI uh, is Nashville Songwriters Association International. And Laura, you've done some stuff with NSAI. I have. I have. They're a great program, especially if you don't live in Nashville on some level. They've got a lot of regional-based um, programs or help that they'll if you've got somebody in your area that's a member, likely they have a chapter near you. So that, that's a good good way to start. Um, I What did I do with them recently? Oh, the Country Stampede um, is actually in Manhattan where it pretty much had every country guy, artist that you can imagine, like Luke Bryan, Eric Church. Um, I can't. Lee Bryan, is that right? I don't know. I'll probably mess up the name. But anyways, all those guys were, were there for um, a three-day kind of festival, and, and they do that all summer long. But anyways, we played in the Nashville Songwriter Association um, tent for oh. songwriters. So it was it was a very good experience. And very so, nice. So obviously, uh, NSAI knows who you are because, again, they can they can draw from a huge membership pool right that uh right. you've obviously made made your mark with them that that they chose you to to be a part of that yeah and it, again it's an it's a local also that's my hometown so uh mm-hmm. they, they're supporting some hometown acts which is very commendable also so yeah very good uh i have 
plugged your social media and, and I'm actually getting ready to do it again. And when people go on your Facebook page, they'll see personal pictures too, kids, fun stuff, not, not just all strictly music-related. Talk about the challenge of achieving a balanced life given the pressure of living right there in Nashville where it is so competitive that one probably feels obligated to work, 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 and then work some more uh, at the cost of having no personal life. Yeah, I think I've got over the work, work, work of trying to be um, anything more than what I am in terms of a songwriter. So um, there's not a tremendous amount of pressure um, anymore. There used to be to go, I got to go out and network. I got to go out and network. And and there's less of that now. And there's just more I'm going to write when I have a space to write. Um, and when I have that moment and when it comes to me. So it, it, it's not so much pressured now um, for me. Interesting. Uh, I am Bruce Wozniak, and joining me today on the Now Hear This Entertainment guest line from Nashville is singer-songwriter Lara Wisdom. Visit her official website at www.larawisdom.com. And again, her name is L-A-R-A. She is active on social media, too, of course, On her website, there are icons to click on to link over to Twitter, Facebook, and Instagram. And there's also one for Reverb Nation. She is also on YouTube as well. Also, follow Lara online so you can stay on top of where she's performing live and when. And of course, as I mentioned before, do purchase her music uh, on cdbaby.com. As I mentioned in the intro, she has two albums out on there. Be sure that you're also checking out www.nowhearthis.biz. That's spelled H-E-A-R. And sign up for the e-newsletter there and subscribe to this podcast and tell others about it too. Subscribing is free. Makes it nice and easy to get the show every week. It will just download automatically for you when a new episode comes out so you don't have to go and search for it. Feel free to use the social media buttons on nowhearthis.biz to like the Now Hear This page on Facebook and or become a Twitter follower. And please, I always welcome your feedback about the show including even some questions you would like to hear asked on future episodes. Post all that on the Facebook page I just mentioned or send an email. The email address is on the contact page of nowhearthis.biz. Listeners, Laura went through something quite sad and painful recently. She had to watch her beloved Kansas City Royals drop a heartbreaking World Series Game 7 to the San Francisco Giants. Laura... Are you are you in. are you over that yet? Did, 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 I'm, did I'm you, over it. Did you, I think that did you take the pessimistic so close yet so far attitude, or or was the glass half full and you thought, hey, no, twenty eight other teams would have loved to have made it to the World Series and didn't, but we did. Half full. It was completely half full. Are you kidding? I mean, you have a franchise that's not kind of running like they're all the other franchises, and they get that far into it. You gotta. Everyone's got to take hold and applaud at that. That's that's good to hear. Good for you. And I love that it's Kansas City. Good for you. And so uh, you're obviously optimistic for next season, as painful sure. as it is to say that. No, I'm, they got it. They're gonna that now. They got a little blood in their mouth, so it's all good. And have you <laughs> have you ever uh, done anything with the Royals national anthem or any kind of concert? I have. Or anything I like haven't. That? Are you going to get me that job? I'll do it. Well, let me put it on my to-do list. It's the off-season. This is the time to, to make those kind of things happen. I will do it. <laughs> and I won't even, you know, like, talk about anybody's flubs right before it so that I flub too, you know. 
<laughs> where, where do you come down on the whole national anthem uh, debate? Because there are people that say, I just flat out won't do it because there's too much pressure. Everybody knows the words. And in this day and age of cell phone cameras and social media, it'll be online five minutes after I've made the mistake. Yeah. Do you, are you intimidated by that? Or, or if the Royals called, would you do it in a heartbeat? I would do it in a heartbeat. Are you kidding? I mean, and if you mess up, so what? What's what? I think what's always funny is someone that, you know, says, oh, my gosh, I can't believe they messed that up. And then they go out and mess it up. That's when it's <laughs> kind of funny. Um, but, yeah, heck, yeah. I'm not going to say no to an opportunity like that because I could mess up. Well, I've messed up. I've trained wrecked a lot of times, so that wouldn't stop me. <laughs> well, that's a good attitude. Uh, let's start talking about the new EP. I know it'll be out in early 2015, and there's no title yet, but what can you share about that project at this point, perhaps in terms wow. of maybe who you're working with on it, uh, whatever else you'd like the listeners to know at this point? Lots of things, but I won't I won't keep you that long. Um, I This one is sort of, yeah, like I'm healing from a lot of crazy things that occurred, and, and this is the aftermath of it, and, and uh, I've learned so much in the last five years you know, years that, you know, hopefully there's a couple more CDs out of it. I'm, I'm not even done processing it, but, but I'm in a good place and, and super excited about this. Worked with some amazing, talented musicians on it um, and have uh, one of the songs on it. It's called um, The Long Road, and I wrote, co-wrote that with Martin Carpenter and super excited about that one. It was sort of a difficult song. I started writing it and you know, when I'm crying through it going, I need your help because I can't quite get through what I need to say here. So <laughs> he gave in and sort of helped. And so to me, it's, it's, it's close to my heart because it came directly from it. So, uh, you know, I hope it, it touches some. I hope some people understand where, where it's coming from. Well, so just kind of clarify then, you, you talked about <laughs> what you call your divorce album. Um, we, we've talked about writing alone versus writing with others, uh, and, and, and you used the expression before kind of writing your diary. So will, will the songs on the new EP, uh, do, do, do you get to a point or, or maybe you've already reached it where, where you're just kind of, Hey, I'm just fabricating new ideas for songs. These have nothing to do with me. These are not personal experiences. I just need to challenge myself, uh, to, to have something that. different. I have. It's a little bit. It's a little bit more difficult for me. I, I certainly have done that in co-writes, where you just sort of got an idea about something. And actually, and sometimes that can be really good for me because it gets outside of my own head of um, what I'm thinking and, and get more of a vast um, population, maybe, and not just what's going on in my head, which is always good to have multiple thoughts. Um, I don't, this one is primary, is still primarily, uh, some of it would be diary out loud. Some of it is just a place of, uh, of resolve. And I think a lot of people will be able to relate to it and maybe not go, oh, that happened to it. It's not necessarily a storyline, but a state of mind. Mm-hmm. Yeah, because I have to think that for something that's uh, not personal, that it makes it easier if you are doing a co-write. Because obviously, if it's a first-hand experience and it's pure emotion and it's what you're feeling, whereas a great songwriter will still rise to the occasion, they still can't be you. They still weren't in that situation. They still don't know exactly how you feel. Right. And I think some of that, for me, as a writer and a singer, 
is delivery of my message also. Like that's going to factor huge in, in for me. It's not just, uh, it's the melodies on top of the words, you know, and, and I hope to improve till I'm no longer on this earth in those two ways for me, which is delivering a message, but also delivering it in a really neat melody or a way that people can hear it and think it's pretty too on top of it being a lyric, something lyrically that moves them. Um, that's what I love in music. So certainly what I kind of gravitate trying to write. And often I think that sort of comes from something within me a moment, um, and where I'm not even like, I'm wondering if I'm even present when a lot of my songs get written. And I mean, the ones that kind of go from start to finish. And you wonder if I wonder if often I was even in the room because I like to think mm. way too much. So th there's a there's an element of of um, something come working through me to me, um, which I don't know if you get in a co-writing session. Maybe you can. I think that sometimes it's a developed relationships a long time that they can kind of get to that space, too. Yeah. Yeah. Still, though, it's uh, very, very insightful. Very, very interesting. I've mentioned in talking about your, your website and your social media, I've mentioned uh, Reverb Nation. And on your Reverb Nation page, there's a notation about 50% uh, of sales of the song No Shoes of Glass going to charity. Uh, that means, listeners, that you can purchase the song from Lara's Reverb Nation page. Um, so the, the aspect of 50% of going to charity, just kind of uh, give us some insight on, on that. What, you know, what made you decide to do that? Um, I think that they set, they kind of set up a, a program on the reverb, which is really good to do um, to where you can donate to certain, I think mine is water, right. um, to certain different um, programs out there. And, and you don't have to do it, but it, it felt right to do it because I'm definitely one that um, a lot of times I get asked to do benefits and even ones that pay and I don't make them pay me. And I take, give my CDs and donate those because if I believe in the cause, I believe that, you know, I'm very willing to give in that for that, depending on what the cause is. And most causes that ask me and I go do them, obviously I believe in them and I, and I will donate my time and, and anything else I can for those. So, so this just falls in line with that. Very nice. Very nice. And, and certainly that's, that's a debate that does rage on, especially for, uh, for some of the younger, some of the younger performers. I know, um, you know, I've, I've obviously been asked, before, if if now here this could provide someone that would come and perform at an event that's for charity, and so as a result, there's no pay. And by and large, the the first thing that the organizer making the request always wants to say is it's good exposure for them, which of course you know, <laughs> which of course raises the the argument that I can't pay my electric bill with exposure, right. There's a, there's a whole lot of arguments when it comes to performing, um, and and I I can say that I've I've you know where you do one um, benefit you may get three more asked because now you're doing them so I've definitely had to say no to things also um, if it wasn't um, if I couldn't do it financially because some of them are travel ones to where you're traveling to them so. I think that that's just a judgment call of, of the cause and if you believe in the cause. But um, working for free in Nashville is just a given <laughs> well, in terms of songwriters. So I'm so used to that, it's not much different. You know, 
in the overall population. So, well, that's true. But as you said, you know, there's there's certainly a difference in in Nashville. You do stand a good chance of there being somebody there that you're going to meet. Uh, that that could be you know a great connection for you. Now, could you be performing at a charity event somewhere, meaning not Nashville, and there's someone there? I suppose, but be careful what you wish for because, as Laura just said, you could have someone approach you that is so impressed by your performance that they say, "Gee, Laura, we're doing an event of our own in four months, and we'd love to have you come and do that one." and then they end up finding out from the organizers of that event that you're talking at that you're not getting paid for that one. So now you've set yourself up that, you know, you're not going to get paid at, at theirs either. Right. I think, I, and that doesn't happen to me a lot. I'm just saying I, that that has happened. And then I have to just make a judgment call at that point. But for me, the most, if I go out and do something, um, I really sort of, um, I'm doing it with the intent of love, you know, like I really, I truly believe that, that I'm going there because I love what I do and I want to give a message and I want to connect it to people. Um, if I was doing it for money, I would long be done with this business. So, <laughs> Well, yeah. but, you know, as, as fundamental as it sounds, you did give a very important piece of advice because I think so many people do focus on the business element that right away they want to know, you know, well, what does it pay, and do I have to travel? Gee, how much is that going to cost? And am I going to get a hotel room? Are they going to give me meals? Do I have to bring equipment? Is there already equipment there? And maybe you just need to start, as you suggested, by asking yourself, well, what is the cause? Do I do I really feel strongly about the cause? Because maybe I can overlook those other things if this is something that I really want to support. Right, and and in my twenties, it was about money, and and I made a pretty good amount of money to some degree. I mean. I'm sure it was still in the poverty section, but <laughs> I made I made some money doing that. And what I would say about that is that it started to not pay off. So, like, you look at what you're making, and you'd be having a four-hour gig, four-hour gig, four hours away, um, and then you tear down, and you're, you know, it's a lot of hours. It's a lot of work. Um, it, it, and sometimes it was two empty bars. So, it, it, I don't know. I... I kind of if there's a if there's a form in which people will listen to my music and I don't get paid much I'm sort of for that <laughs> which, is, which maybe leaves me a target I don't know but I'm, well but I'm sure. but I was going to say you do get to the point where maybe you've had just one or two too many where you say you know what and there wasn't anyone that I met that turned out to be a great contact so. Right. Well, I think I've got to draw the definitely. line here. <laughs> well, definitely. And you say, at some point, you say it with Bart, like, you'll, I'll have people call me, will you play? No, I really won't. <laughs> yeah. yeah. <laughs> I'm not going to play there, but, you know, there's, that's just, you learn your venues of what you want to do and, and, and your causes of, of what you want to do. But I think you ultimately do it because you love it. And it's another way to get one more experience. Yeah, and 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 thanks to been there, done that. You are now at a point in your career where you can't, where you can be selective, and say, I, yes, "No, I can't. no, been there, done that." Ask, ask someone else. That's right. I can do that for sure. So we uh, we kind of veered off the track there. We we started off by talking about um, the fifty uh, percent of sales from that song on Reverb Nation going to charity. We're actually going to end the show today by playing that song, "No Shoes of Glass." But tell the listeners first, please, what that song is all about. Well, I would say it's, it is an abstract thought, yet it is sort of 
again, a diary piece. I think for me, I, I had lots of friends um, and myself go, I went through um, post my divorce, a very terrible relationship. And um, I also, you know, coming out of that and really never being single since I was a teenager, kind of always having a relationship of some form and now suddenly being, you know, in my third, late thirties and I'm single and having to do this dating thing. It, it was overwhelming. There was a lot of, um, lot of learning. I was on a learning curve for lack of a better word or phrase of how to say it. And, and I saw many girlfriends also going through that, that stage. And so that song, so this song is so for, for them and me of trying to, of thinking you sort of had this, that, that you could try to make whatever you had last and, and it didn't. So now you've got to start over and, and I don't know, it's sort of just that piece of, that it's all, again, it's another way, a forum for me to say that you're not alone. You know, I'm, I'm right there. I totally understand. And <laughs> here's, here's, here's what came out of that for me <laughs> is that I'm still a princess after all that stuff. You know, like I'm still, I'm still part of the, you know, a, a desirable, wonderful woman, you know, and, and I, I think we need to hear that more often to some of our, our ladies that are starting over in, in, in their later years. It sounds to me like you're retitling the song, No Shoes of Glass, parentheses, I Feel Your Pain. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> I do. <laughs> well, Laura, before we play that song, I want to thank you so much for being on the show today and for taking the time to uh, talk with me on, on Now Hear This Entertainment. Very much appreciated. Well, I appreciate you having me. Thank you again for that. Absolutely. I will... Close, as always, by formally thanking my guest today, hearing from singer-songwriter Lara Wisdom. Visit her official website at www.larawisdom.com. Remember that she is active on social media, too, so help her out. Like her Facebook page, follow her on Twitter, follow her on Instagram, and, of course, you can easily access all of those through the social media icons on her website homepage. And as I've mentioned before, she is also on YouTube as well. So watch her videos on there and subscribe to her channel. Keep your eyes out for her live dates so you can make plans to go see her perform. And of course, do purchase her music. It's on cdbaby.com and watch for details of when her new EP gets released early next year. Don't forget to visit www.nowhearthis.biz and sign up for the email newsletter there by simply putting in your email address. That's it, just one field to complete. And of course, please do subscribe to this podcast and tell your friends about it. It would be very much appreciated if you could give a nice review on iTunes or Stitcher Radio, hopefully accompanied by a five-star rating. That actually does help the show a lot. If you're listening on SoundCloud, remember that you can like and share episodes there, and you can also follow on SoundCloud, which is just like subscribing. As I mentioned before, let's get your feedback on the show, too. Post your comments or even post some questions that you would like asked of guests on future episodes on the Now Hear This Facebook page. There are links to it, as well as Twitter and even the official Now Hear This YouTube channel on nowhearthis.biz, or send us an email the email address is on the contact page of nowhearthis.biz. We have been recording this show at the great facilities at Crystal Blue Sound Studios near Tampa, Florida. 
Check them out online at www.cbpro.net. That's CB as in crystal blue. Thanks for listening. We'll send you out today with another song by Lara Wisdom. This is the one she just talked about. It's called No Shoes of Glass. For Prince Charming In a red dress She went out to find the one She knows that she's not ready But she is going out To prove to everyone That she's a princess In this world of broken dreams And she was following her Harder so it seemed Hoping that the fairy tale just might last She's a princess Without the shoes of glass She found herself down at Charlie's With that dress and a drink she held her own kept calling but she knows she's going home alone cause she's a princess in that world of broken dreams and she was wrestling with lonely really means she's the same girl a little bit naive cause the looking glass ain't always what it seems she's a Without the shoes of glass And she knows how that glass got broke The story of a heart so cold And she can't speak her mind again No stories and then it's just And she don't need those shoes of glass